In the next two episodes of Money Talk Extra, I'm going to talk to some well-known Hong Kong entrepreneurs who have successfully started their own companies to see what tips we can learn about how to succeed in the competitive business environment in Hong Kong. In 1965, American Jim Thompson was travelling around the world after finishing his degree and had settled for a while in Japan to work for a moving company. It was there that he made a bold decision. He sold his return plane ticket and used the proceeds, along with his savings, a total of $1,000, to start his own removal business. 52 years later, Crown Worldwide is now the largest privately owned logistics company in the world, spanning 55 countries, employing over 5,000 people, and with assets of almost half a billion US dollars and revenues of over $800 million. Jim Thompson is still actively involved in the company he owns as its chairman. I caught up with him recently at the Crown Holdings head office. Well, my case was very unusual because I actually hadn't intended to start a business, but I was working for another company. It was the first job I'd had in in Yokohama, Japan, and I was actually let go by the company. So I was actually without a job in, in 1965, and uh, I made a decision to try to start a business. And my my startup was very unusual because I didn't have any money. I just had a lot of desire, and I had a good idea that I thought uh, was going to work. And uh, so I just put a lot of energy into it, and, uh, and it was an inch-by-inch inch development. And gradually we got some business and saved the money we earned from that business and reinvested it, and the company began. And it was in, in the business of uh, international moving, and it was a time in Asia when that type of investment by foreign companies and relocating people was just beginning, and it was very undeveloped. So I was kind of fortunate in getting the timing right. So you're an ideas person. For a lot of people, they have ideas, often quite good ideas, but the struggle is often putting that into practice, converting it into something that, that works. How did you manage to do that? Well, the biggest problem we always had for the first five years at least was money. We never had enough money to develop the business as we had hoped to do. But we found that the you know there were a lot of need there was a lot of need for the particular service that we were providing and as we spread our name around in the markets in Tokyo and Yokohama we found more and more customers were calling us because we didn't have much in the way of physical facilities or vehicles or that sort of thing we developed a very uh, nice brochure which made us look a lot more prominent than we were and so our sales effort in the offices of various companies in Tokyo, uh, you know, worked very well by presenting this brochure and a nice presentation and everything. And then we got the job done extremely well. So the service aspect was important to keep customers coming back and talking about us. So in any business that you're in, the way in which you market yourself, present yourself, that's really a key element of how that works and how the business develops. Oh, there's no question about it. Of course, you have to have something behind that. You have to have a quality product or quality service as was the case with us. But we needed that marketing effort to get people to try us, to, to take a chance with us, and, and we made a big effort in that. Once we, we knew that once we could get them as a customer, we would uh, impress them. In our business, because it's such a personal service business, people talk about it among each other, especially in the expat communities, and, and the word spread very quickly that you know ours was a good company, and, and that led to our success. 
And did you have a clear strategy in mind about where you was trying to get to, or was this something that almost you made up as you went along? Exactly. I think I think uh, whenever I hear about strategy and mission statements, I think our strategy was to try to make payroll each week, and uh, you know we had to keep changing as we went on. However, I think uh, you know whether you call it strategy or just development, we we were determined to get you know more prominent. So the the milestones such as buying our first truck and expanding our warehouse size and that sort of thing, those were all big points in development for us. And so uh, it, it really kept us uh, energized, and I guess our strategy developed from those steps that uh, came along. Yeah. So would you describe yourself as a risk taker? I mean, buying your first truck, for example, that's probably a big step in a young business, isn't it, where you've just started? Do you see yourself as being someone who, you know, is happy to take risks, big risks sometimes? Yeah. In the early days of the company, without question, everything was a risk because we we had nothing really to lose. And so we kept trying and trying. As we as we started to settle down, as we got a little bit more prominent as, as a business and we, we had a steady business, then I used the term controlled risk. And what I meant by that was simply that we con- we needed to continue to develop the business through risk taking. But at the t- same time, we didn't want to sort of bet the farm, and as they say, and, and put our, everything into one uh, enterprise. So we, we kept what we had, and then we used our sort of surplus money and energy to develop uh, new businesses. So we were always in control. We were never, you know, going to lose everything. And that's that's advice I would give to someone if if they're starting up. Don't don't uh, put all your eggs in one basket and and you know be in a position to lose them because. Uh, that could be the end of your venture. And what would you describe as your biggest mistake if you look back now, something where you say, really, I shouldn't have done that or I would do it differently? Well, that's, that's a very tough question. We've had a lot of little mistakes. We haven't had any, any gigantic ones. We've, we've uh, acquired companies for, say, a million dollars or several million dollars and with a great uh, hope that they would work beautifully. And in the end, we saw that they couldn't. Uh, so I think we, we learn each time from that that we get a little bit more cautious uh, about w- what amount of money we want to invest. We look at it carefully. And, and in bigger companies, I mean, the risk management is, is one of the big aspects of the business. They look at something and say, what is our downside risk if this doesn't work? Uh, so we've had a few, but none that I would say were gigantic losses for us. And we've always managed to work our way through it if if it did fail. And would you say that even though you make mistakes, that's part of developing and growing a business and learning from those mistakes? Unquestionably, that's that's true. Because if you if you develop a business and you've got it running rather smoothly, there's a tendency to say, well, let's just leave this. But there's always a competitor coming up behind you, and so you have to keep looking forward and and taking chances. And if if a few of them don't work out, you you realize that's just part of the game. But as again again I come back to this term, which I, it means so much to me, is don't lose control of your business by taking those risks. If they don't work out, you still have your basic business to fall back on. And what would you say is your most satisfying moment in what you've been doing so far? Well, you know, every every day I kind of realize what's been achieved. But I think the most satisfying thing for me has always been to watch the young people come into the company, which are 
all over the world now and in large numbers. Uh, and to, to watch them develop their skills within the company, I look at it and I say, well, I created this environment for, for them to join. And then, you know, they get so intense about wanting to improve themselves and doing some pretty amazing things for the company, too. So sometimes I just sit back and look at that and I feel huge satisfaction that I was able to give that opportunity to uh, an awful lot of people. I mean, hiring is a big aspect, isn't it, of any any business. It's one of the things that people often find hard to, to get right. What sort of qualities do you look for in people when you're going to employ someone in your firm? Well, first let me say that, yeah, I, I think that the human resource management in a company, it could be a it could be a senior manager doing the hiring, but uh, very often the human resource will sc- uh, scan or, 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 or vet the people that will be coming before the, uh, the, the managers. And I think the ability to pick the right people for the right type of business, which is often the human resource manager's job, is extremely important. But on a personal basis, when I see someone, of course you look at their background, and I, I tend to avoid people who change jobs a lot because uh, I can I realize that they're some way discontent with what they do. But I also look for their enthusiasm for the job more more so than just their sort of uh, achievements in the past. If they if they join a company and they really do give you the feeling that they want to contribute to it, they want to build the business. Uh, that makes me feel very comfortable with the person. And, uh, of course, you look for, you know, previous experience in terms of the type of business you do. I think in a service business like ours, uh, there are qualities of people that have to be uh, tuned into services as opposed to just uh, a manufacturing-type job or or an operational-type job. So, Jim, with all the things that you've now learned and, and seen over the years, if you could in some way travel back in time to your young self in 1965, that day when you first set up that business, what would be the one piece of advice you could give yourself now or would give yourself now in, a, in, a, in light of all that you've known and learnt? Well, I think in our case, because we were so short of money, it was a, it was a very punishing Maybe I could say it ended up being positive, but it was very punishing thing. So I would say that uh, be financially prepared to start a venture. I mean, we started with very little money, and I probably look back, I say I probably wouldn't do it again. But as since it worked for us, I can't, I can't complain. But I would say that be uh, financially prepared to take on the new venture and, uh, you know, not uh, – you know, not try to do it with a minimal amount of capital that could be lost very quickly and and you'll be floundering. That was Jim Thompson, founder and chairman of Crown Worldwide Holdings. That's it for Money Talk Extra this week. Next week in our entrepreneur interview, I catch up with Wayne Parfit, the founder of restaurant group Costello Concepts. We'll also look at how to survive in the changing world of work in the age of artificial intelligence and robots. And Jimmy Lamb talks to an unemployed listener and seeks advice for his financial situation. Thank you very much for listening. Do please join Jimmy and me at the same time next Saturday. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend and have a great week. Music.